Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gag Impressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Manu Vest. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. Uh, busy, you know, came back really late last night from the the Whitecaps game and then uh, stayed up late to get these uh, Champions League previews posted. But um, yeah, busy and good. How about you, Bryce? All good over there? Yeah, all good. Busy, but I suppose different busy from what, what you're uh, getting up to. But mm. I just, if I'm honest, I'd, I'd enjoy going to a few games myself. But but it's fine. And I've obviously got wedding plans to be talking about for the no. next year. Mm. Yeah, I know what those anyway. are about. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's well, a welcome uh, change to go and talk uh, to uh, some people about football, I think. But uh, yeah, we had a very exciting weekend. And normally at this point, I would say joining me as always is Chris Williams. But Chris is moving house at the moment. So he's, he's suffering uh, with uh, no reception or no internet. We've all been there, haven't we? So Chris is actually uh, sitting out this week. Yep, for the first time in God knows how many. But we've brought in a, well, a rather fantastic replacement, I must say, in Konstantin Eckner. Uh, welcome aboard, I suppose. Yeah, hello. Thanks for having me. Well, Constantine, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, For anyone that doesn't know who you are, um, shame on them, but um, just explain a little bit uh, your background uh, and obviously interest in football. Well, um, I mean, first and foremost, I'm basically a sports journalist um, based in the UK and Germany. I'm working mostly for German outlets and um, German television and and, uh, a couple of newspapers. And um, yeah, I'm also the editor in chief of uh, Spielverlagerung. Maybe that's a name someone has uh, heard of, uh, which is, yeah, basically the tactics site, um, a, a blog dedicated to tactics, strategy, everything that like the, the entire hipster uh, fear of as uh, sphere of uh, football, basically. So we are covering that uh, that facet of the game. That sounds fine to me. I've, I have no qualms in uh, going into uh, a bit of hipster area, I think, or hipster sphere, as you said. So as everyone can guess, uh, we will be uh, have a bit of an emphasis on tactics this week. But uh, that's that's not a bad thing, uh, in my opinion, anyway. But um, guys, let's jump in. We've got plenty to talk about. We've just had a really exciting weekend, haven't we? And uh, Well, we, we had planned this week uh, to talk about um, maybe a lack of uh, goal scoring in the league so far. But... Then, of course, this week we went and got loads of goals, didn't we? So um, uh, it's trying to fight against us in a way. But, um, yeah, um, Manu, you, you kind of brought this to our attention, didn't you? That you were a little bit concerned that uh, there hadn't been as many goals uh, as normal. Um, well, what is it that uh, concerns you or why do you think this is happening? And then, obviously, we're going to go to Constantine as well so he can give an opinion. Yeah, that's actually one of the big reasons why I brought Constantine on today. Um, so before match day... Before match day eight, um, we only had 2.44 goals um, a game, which is not a lot. Um, you know, the Bundesliga averaged 2.87 last season, 2.83 the season before that. 
And it was all the way up to 3.16 in uh, 2013, 14, which was probably when the, in my opinion, probably when we had the most quality in the league in recent years, which is probably also explains why there was more goals. But, um, it, it really got me thinking. It's, it's, it's a, a little bit of a worrying trend. And the, maybe the interesting aspect of it too is that when you, when you look at the actual, um, statistic, there's still the same amount of chances almost created. You know, there's 10.6 chances were created. Um, but only 23.1% of those chances were put into the net. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the lights of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um, missing chances, but he still scored 31 goals last season. So that's another really interesting trend. We actually got lots of players scoring more than 20 goals, but yet overall scoring is down. Um, and it got me thinking, and, you know, maybe Constantine, you're going to really correct me and say, no, you're wrong. But I think that maybe just the, the formation change is a big one. Um, you know, you used to have 4-2-3-1, as almost every club played with 4-2-3-1. Now a lot of teams are going to 3-5-2, which seems a bit more compact in defense. And I think that's also, we are in a little bit of a crossroads for the, for the league. The, the, a lot of quality has left the league race recently. And there's a lot of young players coming up, but it's not quite, the league isn't quite as good as it was three years ago, especially up in the goal scoring department. So a lot of clubs are liking to sit deep and uh, be more cautious. And that's, that's maybe another reason, but, Really curious to hear your opinion about this, Constantine. So, yeah, I think you, you touched on two important points already. Um, I think there are basically three major ones we can talk about. Uh, first off, I mean, uh, I think the majority of clubs, of teams have uh, made progress uh, as far as the defensive, you know, the defensive performance goes. Um uh, going a few years back when uh, Borussia Dortmund was, you know, pretty successful under Jurgen Klopp. I mean, this entire like thinking that pressing and uh, especially high press and counter pressing uh, is the key to be successful. I mean, it was, you know, that 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 stuck in the mind of many coaches uh, from then on. But the thing is that uh, many needed time to you know develop and to figure out how to um, apply a employ a you know a successful high press for instance um and how to do it more sophisticated than just man marking uh, and and you know moving the lines a little uh, tw- 10 or 20 yards down the field so um i think yeah right now especially with young coaches like wolf like tedesco nagelsmann who are basically you know who have been students of the game or have been basically students a few years ago uh, with the, with them coming in you have um also some older coaches who have you know evolved pretty uh, pretty significantly like um I think Christian Streich for instance um so you you got you got plenty of coaches and teams who have uh, developed uh, concerning uh, defensive uh, the, the defensive performance basically you know just just being more than just or doing more than just playing a 442 and 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 applying man marking schemes um you mentioned that the, the back fives um or basically systems you know including back fives back threes so going away from um the 4231 or even the 433 i think that's that's an, an, an interesting point to mention because right now, I mean, uh, a lot of teams with three defenders in the middle, um, but mostly two center midfielders uh, ahead or in, in front of the defenders. So you got uh, at least five or six players who defend the middle of the field. So, I mean, wing play, 
high courses aren't as promising as they were maybe a few years ago um, because teams are more focused on defending the middle, on, uh, you know, shutting down the passing lanes through the central, uh, which was, you know, a few years ago in, in, in the 4 4 2 systems, uh, two players on the rings on each wing. Um, it was, you know, there was more focus on basically defending every zone. And not, you know, focusing on one specifically. Um, so in, another thing con- um, regarding the, you know, progress that a lot of teams have made is, as I mentioned, they are not like as what we call men orientated, like not, not, you know, focusing so lady on one-on-one situations on men marking. So, but basically more, you know, uh, figuring out how to defend zones, which is, which was a specialty of uh, Pep Guardiola, which is a specialty of Pep Guardiola, who, who you know, coached Bayern Munich for three years in the Bundesliga, also Tuchel, who is basically a student of Guardiola's. Um, so you got, you know, new coaches and top coaches all, always influenced uh, their peers, who are, you know, uh, below them, um, you got more coaches who are now figuring out how to defend zones, going a little bit away from man marking, which is also an improvement. And, and another thing I've, I, I've, I've seen, especially this season is that aggressive, uh, aggress- uh, aggressiveness just, you know, pays out more, um, than it, Probably has been before. Mm-hmm. I think uh, referees are more hesitant to uh, book players uh, at the moment. Um, you, you got you got a lot many uh, matches where you see a lot of you know tactical, not hard fouls, but tactical fouls in midfield around the halfway line, uh, which is also a tactical tool. You, you know, if, if you get away with it without getting in the booking, I mean, you can do that just to interrupt the, the passing flow of the opponent. You also mentioned, I think, a uh, lack of creativity. I think that's another point, um, meaning that, I mean, while a lot of teams have, you know, evolved defensively, they didn't or they haven't uh, uh, offensively. I just think that uh, many teams rely on, uh, when, they, when they have the ball, they rely on, on you know, simple things, just the basics, but nothing else. And, you know, when you play with a, with a back three, when you play with a back five, um, you have to figure out how to, you know, transform the system when you have the ball. Um, otherwise, you got, you, all, I mean, there are plenty of teams who, you know, just play with five or, or at least four or five players deep, then a center midfielder before the, uh, before the louder, you know, close to the line, uh, which means you got a lot, a lot of players deep, a few players, uh, high up the field, and there's not, nothing in between, mm. which brings me to another point. Counterpressing is one because, I mean, playing long balls then isn't, isn't as successful because uh, you, you don't have the, uh, the right system to apply counterpressing. And also, uh, when we, when we talk about systems, when we talk about there is a, uh, there's basically a hole between, um, you know, six or five, six, um, players deep and a few players up front is that, um, the Bundesliga right now sees a lack of, of, you know, classic number tens, traditional number tens. There aren't any, or, I mean, only a few number tens right now, or uh, you know, we, we we can we can even talk about. It. I mean, Kagawa, for instance, the uh, um, at uh, Wolfsburg. Um, mm. You know, Sabitz are kind of Thiago, kind of Müller, kind of. But uh, I mean, most teams they don't even have one number ten. Uh, examples are uh, Leverkusen, for instance, or Schalke. Who have uh, Max Meyer, but he, you know, uh, last weekend against Hertha, he played as 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 a center midfielder, as a defensive midfielder, basically as the deep lying midfielder. So I mean, uh, plenty of teams don't even have one number ten, one connecting piece between you know center midfield and and center forward or or the wingers. You know, someone 
who can also make the difference in, in, in uh, you know, uh, stalemates. So, and you also mentioned that the overall quality has dropped a little bit, which brings me to the last point, is that I think, you know, apart from a lack of number 10s, which is, you know, important and crucial, um, is also that there are less situations where you see someone, a winger, for instance, breaking through, you know, just outplaying, um, outpacing uh, an, an opponent. Uh, of course, I mean, a famous example now is, is a Puma against mm. uh, Tolian. But it, it's Puma, okay? It's RB Leipzig against Borussia Dortmund, two top teams. RB Leipzig, you know, a, a, just a tremendous attacking department. And, and Puma is, is just a tremendous player. I mean, some said he, he has been uncoachable throughout his career, but, I mean, he is talented as hell. Um, so, of course, Puma is one, and there are a few others at Bayern, at Dortmund, at, at, at RB Leipzig, maybe at uh, Hoffenheim. But, uh, you know, when, when you go uh, around these clubs, you know, Hamburg, um, Hertha, and so on and so on, my theory is that um, to, you know, beat someone in a, in a, in a, Basically, at that even one-on-one situation, you have to be at least 10% better than your opponent as far as agility, speed, you know, vision goes. So, I mean, and, and right now, I think uh, while defensive player have evolved, there are more great or at least talented, decent, capable defensive players. There are less outstanding uh, attacking players who can just out, you know, outplay their uh, opponents, um, which also uh, leads to a little bit of a, of a lack of uh, goal, goal scoring opportunities at the end. You know, another thing that's, as I listen to you, and this is something that came to mind, I think that the, the promotion of Stuttgart and Hannover also plays a role in this. You know, down went, um, Darmstadt and Ingolstadt, and all of a sudden Stuttgart and Hannover come up, which basically means we don't have any clear cut teams that could get relegated. Of course, I, everyone always points at Hamburg, but Hamburg is, you know, a cat with 20 lives, they, they, they will never get relegated simply because they always get themselves out of there. But that means that you have lots of teams in this league right now who first and foremost go into a game thinking, oh, we can't lose, right? Because a lot of teams are already in that relegation mode, which is maybe a lot earlier than it usually is. And I think that also changes the entire philosophy of at least half the teams in the league saying, well, defense first, we can't, we can't concede. And especially this, this is, I think, another thing. And I think I concur with you. You have to be that 10% better than your opposition to score goals. So, um, a trend that I've noticed that when a team scores first, that team seems to then be able to shut down the opposition quite easily and get the results. So, Teams are almost afraid to go down early because they know that they can't get back into the game. So on the one hand, that's great because we have, uh, it's, it points towards a very even and competitive league. But on the other hand, it's also worrying that we don't have too many players in there right now that can make the difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Hannover and Stuttgart are two big clubs. I mean, what we could call big clubs. So, I mean, if you, if you go through, um, the, uh, or if you look at the 18 teams right now, um, there's basically only, I mean, Hoffenheim is an established one. It's, it's, it's you know, from a small town. Um, we, we know the story, but, uh, it's an established club. I mean, one of, in my opinion, one of the top four clubs in Germany right now. So 
I mean, there's only Augsburg, I guess, mm. who's some kind of an underdog, but also uh, sort of established. But I, I would still think uh, Augsburg, I mean, if they get relegated, it's not like the end of the world. But for other clubs, it, it, it might be. Um, I mean, right now, Cologne, Bremen, Hamburg, you know, they are in the relegation zone or, clo or close to the relegation zone. Um, of course, Freiburg is maybe another one because Freiburg, I mean, if they get relegated, it's not they, they are they're used to it. Mm. Um, to be relegated and then go go back up and then go back down. Um, but but other than that, you got at least sixteen clubs who who you know you know fight for for at least they fight for everything basically because getting relegated is um could hurt them you know tr uh, significantly. I mean, it will you know get cost a lot of jobs. Um, or, you know, get people fired. Um, I mean, sometimes like Stuttgart, they managed to survive one season in the second Bundesliga without uh, doing much of a structural change. But m most of the time, I mean, that's not the case. I mean, just look at our so-called big clubs like Carlos Lauten and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, Karlsruhe, for instance, you know. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. And also, I think, and, and that's something that has happened in uh, in the let's call it educational system in in, in Germany that's set up by the German FA, so how how the uh, German coaches are taught uh, is is that uh, basically the pressing system and how you you know the, the all the facets of pressing uh, counter pressing just defensive play that's like the top priority right now or it has been the top priority for for a couple of years, which is something that was influenced by club and others. And which which leads to the fact that uh, coaches like Nagelsmann and I think a prime example is Tedesco in my opinion because Tedesco is coming up really talented uh, coach uh, I think 31 years old um, so he comes up uh, had a few uh, matches with Erzgebirge Aue and he uh, goes to Schalke so uh, promising coach uh, we know the story it's it's like uh, Schalke is is very defensive minded right now and. Mm. Although they got the weapons offensively, I mean, you know, <laughs> Conor Bianca and and Harrod, I, I, you know, you you, you name it. Mm. Uh, but um, when you when you look at what Tedesco does and what he focuses on, is that he wants to have his team, you know, being stable defensively and knowing how to hurt the opponent uh, on the break. You know, how to set up transition attacks. That's that's how his main his main focus is. Uh, Hannes Wolf, another young coach uh, at Stuttgart, he's basically a pupil of of uh, Jurgen Klopp. I mean, when he was at Dortmund, he you know he tries to emulate a lot of things Klopp did or does still. Um, or, I mean, now at Liverpool, back then at Dortmund. So, um, like these young coaches are talented and they are well educated, but it's also that they are you know their top priority is is uh, setting up a. A pressing system that works, uh, you know, just not conceding much goals and going from there because the always thing or the, the thinking is you can always hurt some uh, an opponent by, you know, tr uh, transition attacks, you know, just attacking through counter attacks. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I mean, if all comes together, uh, we have a Bundesliga that uh, is more of a low scoring League, I, I guess that was the uh, for, for a few years the the French league, the league on was actually the low scoring league. Um, I don't I don't know the statistics, I don't know the numbers across mm -hmm. Europe, but maybe they will change. Yeah, and it's interesting so, too because it's only been two years since the foundation of the Bundesliga that the Bundesliga was not the top scoring league in Europe, and this is like a completely but, different trend. So, so Constantine, you you would say it's more 
more of these young talent and managers coming through create a bit of a chess match um, amongst the teams uh, tactically rather than it being a lower standard of quality within the league as in players. I think it's a mix of, of uh, several several aspects. I mean, I don't want to blame the young coach. It's actually because I think, uh, I mean, compare uh, comparing Nagelsmann, Tedesco, Wolf uh, with a few of their older peers, um, I think, I mean, they are much more... They are much more. They are more well educated, you know. Um, and I, I think you can. You could also blame some of the older folks, uh, actually, some of the older coaches, uh, just because uh, they sometimes don't have the weapon. They don't have the ideas what what to do, you know, what to do offensively. Um, while I mean, the young coaches, Nagelsmann. I mean, he's like he's he's called like once in a generation talent uh, by some of the sports journalists and and by some of the Bayern Munich fans. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, I mean, you would think that I, he is, he, he knows, he knows, uh, he knows how to set up attacks, how, you know, how to, how to, uh, study plays and everything, but it's, it's the main focus is, uh, you know, defensive stability, um, and, and pressing and counter pressing. And, and I think that that plays into it, but that's not the only, that's not the only reason that maybe the Bundesliga is turning into a low scoring league, but I don't know. I don't know. In the long term, I mean, we will see. Uh, and, and I don't think it's it's um, like a declining quality of players. I just think that um, defensive players, center backs, fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we always moan about the fullbacks, and and there aren't uh, any quality fullbacks in Germany. I don't think so. I think there there's plenty of. Uh, you know, at least decent fullbacks, and some are, are you know tremendous. Like Kimmich is for me, uh, for me, it's one of the or it's one of the upcoming right backs in the world, um, and he's already you know up there, top ten right back, uh, for instance. And others are as well, Rafael Guerrero, for instance, on the left side. Um, so you, you got you got quality defenders, while I mean the attacking players are still you know also have quality. But as I mentioned, I think. If you are uh, an attacking player and if you're one-on-one situation, you know, nothing is setting up tactically. There are no, no you know, uh, there's no outnumbering going on. So just one-on-one situation. You have to be at least 10, 15% better than your opponent. Hmm. Puma was. Puma was 10, 15% faster than Tolian, so he just ran past him. Um, but, you know, usually that's not possible. Usually you just... Can't run past, uh, can't, can't run past, uh, a quality fullback like Tolian. Of course, Puma is one of the outstanding ones, but, um, our ringers, our attacking players at our teams, at, at like the mid table teams, uh, they don't have to, you know, they aren't 10% better because the defensive player have evolved that much because there are so many, especially athletically, there are so many, uh, center and fullbacks, um, who are not like, I mean, a few years, 10 years ago, there were fullbacks mm. and center backs who just, they moved like you know, basically like camping trucks, um, and, and and now they are you know Boateng is not the only like outstanding uh, center back athletically. There are Upamecano, Sagadus, uh, uh, guys like that, you know, um, and and they uh, and more and more players are like that. That they are just you know outstanding or incredibly fast. Um, and acceleration is is uh, you know they don't have to fear a one-on-one situation against uh, a speedy um, center forward, for instance. You know they can just uh, Upamecano is, in my opinion, a prime example. I mean he's he's just sometimes a little bit sluggish maybe, but uh, if if he is in one-on-one situation against a center forward, yeah, I bet on him that he's faster than than his opponent. 
Well, well, let's uh, just talk about this match day. And um, Manu, obviously, um, we, we talked last week about Joe Pankis uh, coming into uh, Bayern. Um, and it kind of just uh, covering for the rest of the season. Uh, you said that it was almost like a plaster, you know, just over some of the cracks there. Uh, and they, this weekend, yes, they didn't come up against the toughest of opponents being at home to take on Freiburg, but they won 5-0. But going back to their old ways of 4-2-3-1 with them, uh, obviously 5-0 is very impressive. But um, is it less impressive because it's against Freiburg and it's not a true test? Or what, what's your opinion? Oh, not a true test is maybe not fair to Freiburg, but Freiburg have never won a game in Munich um, in their entire history. And it's just not a place where they do very well. And I, I didn't expect much. I think, I think that there was still enough flaws in Bayern's game that I would say that um, we can't really take too much away from that game. Uh, Ryan Kent, for example, finding the space to to go one-on-one against Ulreich. He doesn't then, of course, score, but, you know, it shows you that there is still issues. I think one of the big issues is also Manuel Neuer being out long-term with an injury, and there's now reports and talks about him being out till actually all the way leading up to the World Cup, and that means, you know, that they basically have to rely on Sven Ulreich, and Ulreich, you know, he... He's afraid coming out of the six-yard box, let alone the 18-yard box, you know, and um, that means that there's a, a very big gap between him and the defensive line. And Bayern have played now with Neuer since 2011, uh, top of my head, and that means, you know, that defense is used to a goalkeeper who basically plays like another free, another defender. And that's going to be going to be difficult against sides that, you know, exploit that space um, in the attacking third. And I, I, I could still see shades of that. Um, it's just that Freiburg were not able to to get into that space very, well, very much. I, I mean, uh, obviously, um, we're saying that, you know, that's maybe not the, the toughest of tests I'm homing against Freiburg, especially Freiburg's record previously. But um, the, probably the first real test... Would it be what I'd be right in saying is going to be when they take on uh, RB Leipzig mm. uh, on the 28th? I mean, yes, they have Celtic in the meantime, but possibly these issues at Bayern, would I be right in saying that um, have come a little bit too late for Celtic to, to maybe hope to, you know, to cause a bit of an upset? I, I think, you know, Celtic is... Uh, this sounds, you know, I, I don't want to be too arrogant, but I think anything but a high victory against Celtic would really surprise me. Um, because I don't, I can't see Brendan Rodgers exploiting Bayern's weaknesses, but Leipzig could. And I mean, uh, Constantine, you're, you're a close watcher of Leipzig. And I mean, Leipzig, what they did to Dortmund, I can see them doing exactly the same thing to Bayern. And by that point, you know, Leipzig will have gotten more used to that rhythm of playing in the Champions League and in the Bundesliga. There's something I think that really hurt them in the beginning of the season, but I'm now seeing signs at Leipzig that they're getting used to that rhythm. And the things that they've done against against Dortmund, and, and Dortmund and Bayern have very different defensive problems. Um, you know, Dortmund's big offensive problem is that they haven't gotten quite used to the style, and Bayern's big problem is that they haven't really gotten used to playing without Neuer. And I think that that leads to similar issues on the field that they can, that, that Leipzig can explore. And, you know, I can just see that high press, fast wingers like Bruma really, really hurting um, Bayern right now. And similar to what Hoffenheim did to them. Yeah, uh, I basically agree because uh, in just, uh, I mean, right now the, the sample, sample size is pretty, 
<laughs> pretty small. Yeah. It's just the Freiburg match and and watching the Freiburg match, uh, yeah, there were a few situations, at least in the first half, um, specific to where, uh, you know, in which Bayern just uh, made made mistakes in the build-up and almost paid for it. Um, I mean, one, one was Ryan Kent in the sixth minute and then later around the, the 30th minute, I think, uh, when, when Müller had a, had a bad first touch. And it was Freiburg, so it didn't capitalize on it but but there are other teams who would maybe and who would put more pressure i mean Bayern sometimes struggled just because uh freiburg went towards them uh with some kind of intensity but it wasn't like any kind of sophisticated uh pressing system uh when we when we you know look at uh red bull uh, rb leipzig uh they have figured out how to do that um they, they did it against dortmund and they will try to do it against Bayern and I mean, sure, Celtic, um, Celtic, and, and Hamburg. The next two matches, I think, good sparring partners, just like just like Freiburg. I don't think they will they will do much against Bayern, just because they're you know just uh, outmatched, and you know individually they are just they, they can't keep up with Bayern. But then the, then the doubleheader against mm. our, our, uh, RB Leipzig, you know, just uh, at at Leipzig and then uh, home game against Leipzig three days later. I, I see them at least. I mean, I guess losing one. Uh, sure, it's 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 a cup match at at Leipzig. I don't know. I mean, or who knows? But at least touring and then extra time. Who knows how that will go? But um, I see Leipzig, you know, doing something against them and and doing some damage um, because I mean, Heinke needs more time than let's say uh, fourteen days uh, to change or to to solve some of the problems, the issues, and. I mean, that's just my opinion on Bayern Munich in general. Is that I um, just don't expect them to be, you know, that the, the force they were in 2013. Yeah, for several reasons. For several reasons, just yeah. I don't think the team is as good as they were back then. I mean, Ribery is is yeah, just they are both. Uh, I mean, Robben uh, and Ribery, they're um, both uh, near the end of their careers. Um, so there they aren't any replacements, quality replacements. Kingsley Coman is a talented uh, player, but I don't think he's there uh, like where Ribéry was a few years ago. Um, and and our players, you know, they just they need time. Toliso and and James is not not a factor right now. Um, so uh, yeah, the quality isn't there. And also, uh, which is which is interesting. Uh, in 2013, Bayern was just a force, athletically, technically. Uh, technically, just you know, they they could outplay teams just because they were that good. It wasn't even Heinkes didn't do much. I mean, uh, yeah. he he applied a good pressing system, but it wasn't like he he was like this mastermind behind the success. Was also uh, in some close matches against uh, good teams, just Bayern relied on them being you know just better, um, and and, and you know do, out, outplaying their opponents. Right now, I don't think that's possible against the, the best teams of the Bundesliga. And you know, don't even don't even talk about the best teams in Europe because we watched the PSG match, mm. and that's and we watched the Real Madrid matches last year. That's how it is. Um, there are uh, several teams in in Europe that are just better right now, have a better squad than Bayern Munich, so they have to find out how to beat them tactically. And um, if if Heinke is the right coach to do that. I, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I think uh, he he's someone who can get them back on track. Maybe winning the championship because Dortmund is not as as um, let's say not as 
as great as some fans might think, um, you know, just pointing at the three matches they had against top teams. Um, so I, I guess he can win the championship, uh, but it will be maybe closer than than uh, in 2014, of course. So, I mean, because that back then it just Bayern dominated the league. Yeah, I think, you know, but we're going to have a championship race. And this is really one of the next topics, isn't it? Because I think that Dortmund, they struggle against the, the big sides and I can't really see them anytime soon. Um, stabilizing that because Peter Bosch's system needs time and it's, it's, it's putting in together all these pieces and make it defensively work is, is very hard, especially in a league that's now changing emphasis towards defense, right? So I think Peter Bosch needs a lot of time, but how many teams in the Bundesliga are going to maybe hurt Dortmund too, right? Leipzig and Bayern. And then they're going to win all, and maybe Hoffenheim. Yeah. We, yeah, that's actually one to really look out for, but. Those teams will also take points from each other. I'm pretty sure that Leipzig will take points from Bayern and Hoffenheim will take points from Bayern again too. Um, Dortmund, I think, could also really hurt Bayern. I, I think that's the, the way Bayern, Dortmund are playing is actually poison for Bayern's system right now because the Bayern are lacking speed. And they're lacking speed not just up front but also in the back. And um, the one of the reasons for that is I think Putting Javi Martinez in midfield there um, made a lot of sense, but he's not, you know, one of those pivotal players that you see in in midfield these days in the Bundesliga. I mean, Stuttgart, for example, signed Askaziba because he is both athletic and physical. Um, Zakaria at Borussia Mönchengladbach is another one, right, who you identified at the Yellow Wall podcast, um, Konstantin. These are all midfielders who are not only physically strong, but also really fast. And Bayern don't have anyone like that and i think that that's gonna hurt them against teams that are just going to play in a quick transition game really quick counter attack so these teams are all gonna take points off each other which means that it could be like a three or four team race all the way up to the end of the season so, so manu you reckon that it's gonna come down to basically the head head to heads amongst these top four sides or so and whoever comes out of out of those better because you can see them those sides picking up points against all the other teams i think what no i think um what it really comes down to is not losing against the small teams and that's something that dortmund done really poorly in the last few years and i don't think that's going to happen to them this year um i think that they're going to consistently get their points against all the smaller sides and i mean we've seen that up to this run all the way to leipzig they were almost perfect and um, that is how you win the league when there are several teams going for it. You have to pick up your points against the Hamburgs, the Freiburgs, you know, um, the smaller sides of the league. And I can see Bayern and Leipzig drop points there. And then Leipzig have done it already. You know, they've already dropped points against some of the smaller sides. So and um, I think that is really what it will come down to, which is interesting because we really haven't had that in a while Um but yeah, I think that's really the that will be the key to success. If you want to win the championship this year, you have to beat all the small teams consistently week in and week out. Well, two of the big teams that did face each other this weekend it was the one that we had coined, and everyone else I'm sure did as uh, the game of the weekend was uh, Dortmund taking on uh, RB Leipzig. Constine, uh, uh, what did you make of this game? Obviously, Leipzig getting the win the first time in. What, how many games was it against Dortmund? Was it 48 um, at home? Something like this? Um, something I mean, like that, yeah. Yeah, it was rather large and rather impressive. I think 41. the last time was when? 41. 41. It was back when Jurgen Klopp was in charge, uh, as far as I'm aware. Uh, what did you make of the game? Well, um, I mean, it was, I think it was expected that uh, Leipzig... <sighs> 
that Leipzig is as uh, one of the few opponents in the Bundesliga right now uh, who c- could, you know, beat Dortmund. Um, I mean, as Manu mentioned already, is that um, Bosch system is, is working quite well against all the mid-table teams. And I think the Gladbach match showed where the cutoff actually is, because I think there are only mm. four top teams right now in the Bundesliga. Gladbach, Schalke, they, they, they can become top teams, uh, you know, they can turn into top teams, especially Gladbach right now for their new possession game. Um, but but other than that, there are only a few teams, I think Bayern, RB Leipzig and Hoffenheim, uh, who can actually beat Dortmund uh, at this point. And uh, Leipzig just, uh, of course, a little bit luck on their side. And I mean, how the, how the match went, uh, it was on, on their side. Um, but overall, it was also that um, Bosch tried to adjust his, his his tactical approach because he knew uh, how dangerous uh, RB Leipzig is, especially in midfield, how dangerous their pressing system is um, and how dangerous they are when when they win the ball in midfield, which is their main goal um, always. It's not winning the ball, you know, high up the pitch. It's winning the ball in center midfield, you know, by Keita, by Demme, by by uh, Lima or whoever is, is playing in the, in the, in the center midfield, uh, Campbell, for instance. Um, so, and then, you know, uh, starting transition attacks. So he knew that, um, and he, he let his uh, defenders, his, his back four playing a little bit deeper than usual. Uh, but it's, it was still not enough because he, ha- he has to make more adjustments, especially in terms of counter pressing, because in, in this match as well, uh, when Dortmund lost the ball up front or up, up, up uh, down the field somewhere, um, both, um, let's say, uh, both attacking midfielders. I mean, uh, uh, Shine was the deep lying midfielder, the, the both players, uh, and, and in front of him, the, uh, the midfielders, they just moved. They just moved to the towards the ball, which is something they do in in other matches against the the uh, lower quality competition, which is which is good because then they put pressure on 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 the opponent immediately after after the turnover, which which works out quite well against most of the teams, but even against like Hertha and other uh, other clubs, uh, the opponents had a few chances to counter, uh, which they didn't really do at the end, or you know they didn't u- use the counter attacks they got the the uh, opportunities. Uh, RB Leipzig, I mean, they are, they are briefing counter, they are briefing transition attacks. That's, that's crazy bread and butter is pressing and transition. Mm. Um, so, um, I mean, that, that they could hurt them, I was expected. And then on top of that, you got someone like Puma, who's just outpacing, uh, Tolan in one situation, which was a tremendous goal. Um, I, I like this stuff like that, you know, was simple. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, just simple things. If it works out, maybe why not? Um, it just do it. Uh, and, and, uh, that, that a few, uh, defenders or that several fullbacks at Dortmund are injured. I mean, it, it doesn't work in their favor, of course. Uh, but on the other hand, even like, uh, I think back four with, uh, uh, back four featuring Piszczek and Schmelzer. I uh, wouldn't have done that much better against RB Leipzig in in that particular match because it's more a tactical issue than an than than an issue of personal. So and and also considering that RB Leipzig, I mean, they weren't they were playing without Werner and Forsberg. So mm-hmm. uh, they they got a, they got a few a uh, few players on the bench as well, uh, quality ones. Uh, I mean, Werner is, is basically the the best German striker uh, right now and one of the best strikers of centre-forwards in the Bundesliga, uh, if not across Europe. So, um, I mean, he was on the bench and they still were 
dangerous as hell. Um, so, uh, yeah, overall, I, I think, I mean, it could have been a try at the end. Of course, uh, it wasn't like Dortmund was, uh, you know, just outplayed uh, throughout the 90 minutes. Um, after the second red, uh, red card against uh, um, the, the second red card, who was sent off? Uh, Ilsanker. Uh, when Ilsanker mm-hmm. was sent off, I mean, you you saw one a uh, pretty interesting aspect uh, in tr- just in football in general if if it's if it's a match 10 against 10 9 against 9 maybe um if just you know less players on the field and it's a equal uh, equal numbers um it's just the, the the team that has the ball uh is usually you know usually has the advantage because uh it's it's far more difficult to to uh, play uh, you know uh effective pressing when you have only 10 players you know, ten players to mm-hmm. sh- or nine nine outfield players to shut down all the passing lanes. It's it's pretty it's pretty difficult, almost impossible. While you know having possession with ten players with nine outfield players is uh, more e- it's easier. Just well, uh, to put it simple. Don, do do you think uh, Werner um, um, of Wolfsburg weren't even brought on uh, because of the uh, game uh, against Porto during the week, the Champions League game, and. Um, Yo, how do you think this game is going to go? I mean, they they more or less have to win this one, don't they? Yeah, they have to win that one. I think I think Werner wasn't just really ready, uh, to ready to go, uh, for for you know at, at least not ready to start. Uh, I think he's still uh, more or less. I mean, is he injured? I don't know. His injury was pretty complex. So, um, uh, but I think uh, they just they they brought him to Dortmund, you know, just as his. I, I don't know, just as uh, the, the the second gun, you know, sticking in your socket, just mm. to have one, <laughs> just to, to threaten a little, just to show her, and, you know, here's, here's Werner. Uh, if he's if he's out there in the field, he will probably hurt you because uh, I mean, Dortmund can be hurt uh, with, with you know with their high backline. Um, I mean, it, it, I think it would it would be a day in the office for Werner. Uh, at least once in a few situations. I mean, August Tong did well, uh, but I thought in a few situations, I mean, it would have been the, the, the perfect perfect opportunity for Werner to just break through uh, or to to make a one behind the line and then get the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, August Tong did well, so uh, there's just nothing. I mean, there's no no point in criticizing him uh, for for uh, not not being Werner. You know, that's that's not not something you. You you can be at the, at this point at least, um, so yeah, I I think he will he will be out there against uh, Porto. He will play against Porto, and as you mentioned, they have to win. I think they will win. I think next week or this week will be the first week for the German clubs. Uh, you know, not across the board, but for most of the German clubs to revitalize um, themselves basically in the in the Europe uh, in the in the Europa League and the, in the Champions League uh, and Dortmund and uh, RB Leipzig have to win and I guess they will win and maybe we will see a few wins in the Europa League as well because I mean the German teams they uh, pretty much have embarrassed themselves mm. uh, so far so uh, they have to they have to do something they have to show something uh, in the, the Bundesliga you know was was so proud of being the number two in Europe. Uh, for a few years uh, now, they have to show that they are at least as good as the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Manu, w- would you agree that um, it, it's going to go positively for the the German sides? I mean, obviously, uh, Konstantin said uh, he reckons Leipzig will beat Porto. You said that probably you'll see that you know, well, Bayern would expect to beat Celtic by quite a few. Do you see Dortmund uh, beating Apoel by quite a few as well? I said five zero. Um... I'll stick then to that. Then that's a yes. I, I stick to that. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I think that um, 
the the results in Europe have been embarrassing, and I I don't actually mean the Champions League teams because that can happen. I think when you look at the teams that the the individual clubs were facing, and when you take it in individually, and we've spoken about that, right? If you Bayern played against PSG, and um, they were coached by a coach who have now just learned actually was on the way out um, already before the game even kicked off in Paris, Ancelotti apparently was already working towards getting an exit at Bayern. And so he did the utmost to get that. Um, so, you know, you have that as kind of a background. On top of that, it's PSG. You know, PSG have just spent, what what was it, 400 million euros this summer on two players alone. Um, it'd be embarrassing for them to not get results against any side, right? And PSG are under a lot of pressure because of the news that are emerging. They, they need to basically win this year because they may not be in the Champions League next year. So there, there, there was that. Um, Dortmund were facing Real Madrid. Well, you know, they're the defending Champions League winner. Um, won it twice in a row. Could win it against this year. I think that's um, a result that's not hugely surprising either. And um, Leipzig, I think Leipzig is still coming to terms with what's going on in, you know, playing week in, week out, playing in the Bundesliga, playing in the Champions League. It's a very young side. I think the average age was 23.8. Um, and that's, that's something that they have to still learn. It's a learning process. So I think you can kind of, it's not great. I'm not saying that there's something that should happen again, but it can happen. What, and I, I think I mentioned this last week. The Europa League the results were that really um, got me thinking. And I think that some of these these games, even individually, and even when you look at Köln with their problems, even when you look at Hoffenheim the first season back and Hertha just being Hertha, I think they still need to win those three games, period. You know, they're playing, they're not playing against world-class teams. They play, they played against Ludo Goritz, uh, Östersunds, and um, Red Star. I, I'm sorry, but if you're a Bundesliga team, you need to win. No matter which Bundesliga team you are, you have to win individually those three games. And um, when you look at the opposition this week, I, I think that we will see three wins. And I, I think it's very much, um, very much expected. And anything but that in the Europa League would be a huge disappointment. And I mean, you you look at look at where the the three clubs are uh, on an individual basis. It's, it's quite quite obvious that um, the teams need need to have wins otherwise it could be early goodbye for the three Europa League teams yeah most certainly um, I, I, I strongly agree that uh, I think the Champions League size will get on much better this week uh, but also the Europa League teams I mean Cologne uh, we've spoke about them uh, plenty um, and about um, how things have just not been the same there obviously Modest has left but um, they just haven't been themselves uh, they they were obviously sprung with a bit of uh, bad fortune in losing 2-1 to Stuttgart on Friday night with that last minute goal but um, Constantine there's been many problems at Cologne but do you see this midweek game against Bad Borstaff uh, being a bit of a final for a uh, Peter Stoger, I mean, it, surely the pressure has to be mounting there. I mean, even if it's directly his fault or not, you know, someone's going to take responsibility for it, for how poor they have been. Um, I don't think the bottom match is actually the, uh, the I don't know, uh, the deciding match, uh, whether uh, Stoger has to go or not. Um, I, I think they... 
I, it's 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 great for Cologne for fans to be back in Europe, but overall, I don't think they care actually, um, because the Europa League is is just not that attractive. Um, and I mean, if they go out, it's it's not the end of the world. If they you know go into the winter break with five points, that's pretty much the end of the world. Um, so I think the the uh, deciding match or the, you know, the final match, so to say, is uh, Cologne against Werder. Not only for Stöger, but also for Nuri, for both coaches. Because they, they both have... I mean, it, it always depends on the performance, uh, but basically Stöger, I think, he has to win. And and Bremen, they at least have to perform well and, and get one point at Cologne. I mean, losing at Cologne uh, could be the end uh, for Nuri. Um, and losing against Werder uh, could be the end for Stöger. Uh, I don't think the bottom match is that important. I think the match, um, you know, next week, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a Saturday. I think that's the important one, uh, because it's just, uh, in, in Germany, what's, what's it called? Not against Elend, uh, <laughs> basically, you know, uh, bad against worse. So yeah, it, it won't be pretty, but it will be exciting. The gutter match. Uh, I agree. I think that's that's going to be the key match. But I think that Bate, the match against Bate Borisov is important for the atmosphere at the club. You know, if you go to Belarus and um, Bate Borisov are a good side. You know, a few years ago they beat Bayern and um, I just finished a preview on, on them. They are a very, very well-run club, you know, considering how little money they have. Um, they have put together very, very good infrastructure in one of the poorest countries in Europe, Europe's last dictatorship, um, just to throw that out there. And yet they have been, but what they have, they have been relatively successful. So I think that's, that's going to be a match that can set the tone for Werder Bremen, for the Werder Bremen match. And I think that is, that is something to keep in mind for that one. But I, I agree 100%, Konstantin, if, you know, Köln need to win against Werder. And um, I think, personally, for me, Werder Bremen are the tactically the worst team in the league because I think Nuri is um, is not not a Bundesliga coach. Uh, I, I I've meant that from the very beginning. I don't see I don't see very much when I see Werder Bremen. Uh, last year they re- relied very much on individual uh, individuality rather than uh, tactical finesse, and this year it's showing that that's all they have. And um, for Peter Stöger, I personally think Peter Stöger is a very good coach. If you if you survive in Köln for what four and a half years now, you have to be an excellent coach. And um, I, I'd be massively surprised if Köln don't win that game. Hey, it's it's just interesting how things sometimes uh, go because uh, I've, a few months back uh, when you know Tuchel resigned or whatever happened there mm-hmm. at Dortmund, but when the discussion started, uh, who could be the next uh, Dortmund coach? I mean, some fans, basically including myself. I mean, I, I saw I saw Stöger as as a, real, a realistic option, not as the you know favorite one, not as the best one, but as a realistic option because I thought maybe Watzke and Sorte could buy into the the, the uh, idea that uh, Stöger, you know, hardworking guy, is a, like like a blue collar guy, you know, for Dortmund. I know that Watzke loves these kind of stories. Mm. Uh, that just uh, he could be maybe the next Dortmund coach. I mean, they they went with someone else. Um, they basically went with two coaches. Uh, we have the same agent, but that's another story for another day. Um, mm-hmm. it, that's just, uh, you know, that Stöger was, was one of the, uh, maybe was one of the candidates. And now 
you know, uh, moving forward a few months uh, from, I don't know, back in April, March, uh, May to, to October. And he's, you know, on, a, on the verge of being fired. So sometimes these things work that way. But I think Stögo won't be without a job uh, for long. I think if he if he gets fired, uh, he will he will get a he, he's one of the hot candidates uh, or, you know, on the shortlist uh, if, if somewhere else, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, front office looks for a new coach in the Bundesliga uh, because he's he's that good. I mean, uh, sometimes things have to end, and yeah. um, the Cologne team with losing Modest, uh, not replacing him, uh, or not replacing him equally at least. I mean, Cordoba is good, but not Modest level good. Um, it's and and a few other problems they have. I uh, it's just sometimes these teams. Drop down. I think they overperformed a little bit last season. Now they underperform a little bit, and at the end, you're you know you're just bottom, work bottom. Sometimes. Yeah, I think the big problem for Köln was that they didn't buy a Modesto replacement. I think Cordo- it's it's but it's it's oh, it's tough to buy one. Yeah, I mean, you're Cologne. Who, who who do you who do you go for? I mean, who's the guy you can you can buy? Yeah, even if you have the money, that's the problem, I guess. Sometimes you just don't sell. You know, that's maybe the mistake that they made. They didn't need to sell Modesta. They didn't have the money. When, when you look at the financial reports that are coming out of Cologne, they, money wasn't an issue. They could have bought Cordoba and kept Modesta. And that actually, I think that would have actually been a good pairing because Cordoba is a, is a wall player. He's not an all in out scorer. I actually, I actually like Cordoba quite a bit, but he's not a Modesta type of forward. They're completely two different, completely kind of players. You know, you can't compare them at all. And I think the one would have worked well with the other, but basically saying, okay, well, we're buying this guy for Mines, who has been, who was important for Mines because he could hold the ball and make room for other guys and say, now you have to score 25 goals because that's basically, they didn't say that. They tried to not to say that, but basically that's, you know, what they did. And, um, that yeah, I think and, was and a big mistake. Right and and also you know holding the ball is nice and everything, but yeah. uh, in, in the in the first few matches you got Jojic uh, as number ten. I mean Jojic is not the kind of kind of supporting mm. striker you know who makes the runs, who then picks up the the uh, the ball you know after Cordoba holds it for for a uh, little bit. And and Osako wasn't fit when the season started, and I mean we are still early in the season. So I mean if you have a wall player like Cordoba, you you need the other one. You need the I, it's, I know it's it's a little bit overblown, but you need the Thomas Müller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you you, not, yeah. you need the, the Thomas Müller to the Mario Mandzukic, and uh, I mean the, the problem is that there is no I mean, right now Osaku maybe can, can, could be it, but I mean the, the problems are more than just Cordoba. Um, there are other problems as well, and I think as uh, offensively they they didn't do that well last season, but they they had uh, Modest who just. You know, like like Clue was was on his shoes. Uh, if if there were a few long balls, he just picked them up and he just you know he, he kept the ball. Um, right now, that's not how it works. And and if they just bump down the uh, the rings, it's also something uh, we we mentioned earlier in in, in this episode that uh, there are so many teams now defending with three central defenders and and you know just the the the, the center is crowded. Um, so just, you know, playing high cross after high cross after high cross, it's not working out against most of the team speed because they have the advantage in the air. You got, you got uh, there were a few Cologne matches where Cordoba was out there on his own alone against three defenders, you know, against three monsters. I mean, even he, 
uh, as imposing as he might look, uh, don't stand a chance against three other defenders. Yeah, the Stuttgart oh, game with, is a good, sorry. The Stuttgart game is a good example for that because there were three defenders, big defenders on the field, and then in midfield you have a small guy in Askaziba who destroys, and then you had Mangala, who was basically another centre back, and yeah, boom. Yeah. Sorry, would they have been best uh, maybe splashing the cash on? I know he's a bit aging, a bit like Pizarro, but uh, someone like Mario Gomez. I don't know if Gomez is ready to go to Cologne. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, 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 I'm not sure. But I mean, the, the, that kind of player, maybe they, they yeah. would have been able to. Attack. I would have brought back Podolski. Bring back Podolski. One last run, right? Yeah, one last run. What could not? possibly go wrong? Bring back Lucas. Well, they're, 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 they're giving up Pizarro one last run. Just for the mama, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, guys, we, we've still, we, we're running out of time a little bit. And I, I want to speak very quickly about uh, Hoffenheim and Hertha, who both really need a win in Europe uh, this midweek. Uh, Manu, how do you see the two games going? Uh, do you see both sides getting three points and staying um, in the competition uh, for a little bit longer? Or um, Hoffenheim are playing against the Turkish side whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. And yes, they need the three points there. But that's... Um I think Basak Shir. I'm sorry, Turkish listeners. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm probably completely Please. butchered that. Um, I've, I've, lived in, I've lived in Istanbul for a while, and I think that was basically oh. right. Oh, <laughs> yes. I can speak Turkish. Anyways, that's no, really. ready for another day. Um, I, I they need to get the three points there, and I think anything else. Uh, I know Turkey uh, is a hard place to play, so um, but I think they, they'll need to get the three points. And Hertha... They're playing at home, right? Oh, they're playing at Hoffenheim at home? Yeah, uh, Hoffenheim at home against yeah, uh, Basak and and yeah. yeah. Three points. Hertha is playing at Soya. At, you know, in Lvov. And mm. at Luhansk, yeah, you can't play football in Luhansk because of the war in Ukraine. Um, we got all the background on that on footballgrad.com. So I don't want to go into, because we'll be here for another two hours if I talk about the conflict in Ukraine. But, um, yeah, Soria is one of the three teams in, in Ukrainian football in exile right now. And they're playing in, in Lviv at the uh, European Championship Arena. But again, that is a game that Hertha need to win. Yeah, very much so. Well, guys, we've more or less um, come to the end of the podcast. So we've spoke plenty, haven't we? Constantine, I want to ask you one question just before you go, because we've obviously spoke plenty about um, all the teams at the top uh, and um, who, you know, who may get the better of who. But I, I was thinking in the back of my head, who's going to win the league? Who do you think is going to win the league? Oh, I'm 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 sticking to uh, what I said, you know, prior to the season. I think Bayern Munich will win the league at the end. Um, I think they're just a little bit the notch better than than Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig. Wow, interesting times. But um, yeah, guys, um, let's do a little bit of a shout out. Um, Constantine, it's been fantastic having you on. I I could have stayed um, here for another hour, but uh, I think our editors would kill us. Uh, but uh, what, what would you like to uh, draw people's attention off? Uh, maybe you've got something, an article coming out or, or anything else um, that you'd like uh, people to check out. I mean, they absolutely should check out my Twitter, of course. <laughs> uh, CC underscore ECKNER is my Twitter handle there. Uh, um, so CC underscore Eckner. Um, and also, I mean, I just encourage all the people, uh, all the listeners to check out Spielverlagerung. It's uh, spielverlagerung.com for, um, you know, the English 
uh, speaking world. And uh, we also have a German edition, which is basically our main page is uh, spielverlagerung.de. So we've got plenty of articles up there, uh, you know, analytical match analysis, analytical pieces on, on the Bundesliga. Uh, first and foremost, but in other leagues as well. And our English edition, we we analyze, you know, Premier League, La Liga. I think I will write an article on on Jupp Heynckes first few matches, uh, maybe this week, maybe uh, after the end of the week. And also in Barcelona, something's planned. And yeah, that's just they should check out that and uh, everything else they can just uh, find on my Twitter because I I post the hyperlinks and everything. I mean, just as everyone else does these days. Mm. <laughs> of course, um, Manu, what have you got going on? You've always got plenty, but um, what do you like to draw people's eyes to? Yeah, so Champions League previews are posted. Uh, we did eight games this week. So they are up on footballgrad and fußballstadt.com. Um, you can of course find them just on our, on our Twitter uh, at footballgrad live, uh, like Constantine, which we'll just put the hyperlink on that. So you don't need to go to the individual sites. It's all there. And then of course the Europa League previews, they're all coming tomorrow. Um, I don't have the number in, on top of my head, but it's basically all the Bundesliga teams and it's, and all the post-Soviet-based teams. And we have some, I guess, football grad derbies, uh, you know, the Barte and the Soria game, which would usually go up on one or the other pages. I haven't really quite decided yet how I'm going to solve this issue, but they will be up and you will be able to find them on Twitter. And then you can, of course, follow me um, at Manuel Vef. Of course, always plenty going on. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. I suppose the only thing I can draw your attention to, apart from obviously, uh, the football grad universe, um, is, uh, the Golazo podcast, uh, the Mexican football one, which will be out, uh, just in a few days. So check that out. We've got midweek games and everything. Guys, if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, please, uh, head over to the likes of uh, iTunes and give us a a rating, uh, hopefully a positive one, uh, or maybe some uh, some positive uh, feedback. Uh, apart from that, we really appreciate you uh, tuning in. Enjoy the midweek European games, and we'll be back uh, very shortly with uh, an update on next week's match day. Well, that's all there is to say. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu hoch. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.